I'm Nick Cowan, and I'm telling tales. The Wisdom of Animals Tiny ripples glistened playfully on the surface of the Imbezi River. Clouds of mosquitoes arose to welcome the morning sun as it rose over the trees which crowded in great clusters around the riverbank itself. Warm and humid, as it often is early in the year in eastern Tanzania, the end of the year rains the Vuli had departed, filling dried riverbeds and bringing life to the earth, and the Masika rains had yet to come and drench all. This was a busy time, a time of gathering in and storing up, and Zuena had little time for her son, Mvulaana, and his constant questioning. Mother, what is that? asked the small boy, pointing at a small monkey in the tree. His mother glanced up and gave a cry. Kapunji! she cried out. Get away from here, you little thief! The light brown monkey with his distinctive white tail scampered expertly up into the trees and could be heard making his way from tree to tree and away from the village. Turning back to her son, Zuena called, waving her finger admonishingly, Be careful not to leave food out for those monkeys. They will steal anything that is good to eat. Delighted by this excitement, Mvu jumped around his mother, pretending to be a monkey, as she pulled apart the harvest corn that she had gathered and dried in the sun the day before, ready to beat the maize into flour to store and eat as ugali, the staple food of the area. Zuena and Mvu were poor indeed, Zuena worked all day simply to feed herself and her young son, who grew slowly, yet was curious and mischievous. Now nearly twelve years of age, though he appeared much younger, Umvulana had lost his father when he was very young and had no brothers or sisters, and so his mother was his sole parent, friend, and confidant. He gave her little rest, but much joy, as she could see that he was growing into a clever young man, though his physical prowess was not that of his peers. Mother? Umvu asked, we are always hungry, though we work as hard as we can to store food and give to the village what we must. What did my father do to support us before he died? Without stopping her work or even looking up from what she was doing, Zuena replied, Ah, my son, your father was a hunter. He set traps in the forest and by the river, and he would then go and see what he had caught, and we would eat that. Oh, ho, replied the small man. That is not work, it's fun indeed. As I am my father's son, as you tell me often, mother, I will go and I will set traps and I will see if I can also get us food that is good to eat. And so that very day, Umvu went into the forest, cutting springy branches from the trees for his traps, light enough to carry, strong enough to hold weight, and flexible enough for the light muscles of the little boy to bend to his will. Returning as dark fell, he stripped the branches and stored them behind the small hut he and his mother shared. The following day, Umvu bade his mother good morning, took some food and went out into the forest again, this time to gather coconuts. Returning that afternoon, he ripped the strong husk from each nut and gave his mother the inner nut as he set to work to weave the fibres into ropes. On the third day, Umvu took the branches and the rope that he had made and went out into the forest hunting out quiet places where animals could be detected by their droppings and their tracks, and there he set up as many traps as time would allow before he made his way home to his mother. The following day, Umvu went out again, this time toward the river, where he set traps for creatures who lived by the water or who needed to venture near it each day or evening. And so, with as many traps as the young man could create, 
Umvu went out the following day and inspected his handiwork. Umvu was delighted by his success, finding that he had caught so much game that it was more than he and his mother might eat before it went bad. So making his way to Unguja, the nearest town with a market, he sold the extra meat and with the money bought such grains and foods as would store well. Proudly, Umvu stood before his mother and declared, Mother, look, I have brought home to you more food than we could eat in a week. Are you not proud of your only son, who has learnt to be like his father, to find food and bring us all that we need? Zuena was delighted by the good fortune and hard work that had brought such great success to her young son, and she was indeed proud that he had worked out how to make and use traps to catch game from the local area. My son, she said, my son, she said, you make your mother's tired heart glad. I have worked so hard for so long for us to eat, and now you show that we have nothing more to worry about in the future. You truly are your father's son, and I am proud of you and your great work. Umvu beamed with pleasure at these great compliments, and yet he wasn't to know that soon all his traps would lie primed but untripped as the local game disappeared, leaving he and his mother once again in great difficulties. Several weeks passed and Umvu had only managed to catch the occasional animal in his traps when an ape had been caught up in a trap that had been set between two trees in a shallow depression in the ground. Umvu approached it cautiously with a long, fire-hardened pointed stick with which he would stab the creature and kill it for meat. The ape looked up with intelligent eyes and called out, Son of Adam, I am Niani the ape, please do not kill me. Startled at this talking animal, Umvu dropped the spear, and thunder crackled in the distance. The reins of the Masika were approaching. Take me out of this trap which you have so cleverly made to entrap creatures such as me, and let me go. I promise, if you save me from the rain, then one day I may come and save you from the sun. Umvu, moved largely by his shock at a talking ape, and by the superstition that this could be no ordinary animal, unbound the hapless creature and set it free. Niani climbed up into a tree, sheltering under the leaves from the incoming rain, yet safe from the flood that would build below. For your kindness to me, I will give you a piece of advice. Believe me, for I have lived long and seen much. Men are all bad. Never do a good turn for a man. If you do, he will do you harm at the first opportunity. Umvu went out through the rain, and checked all of his traps that day, and nothing was caught awaiting his return. He went home, dejected and hungry, yet still thinking hard about the talking ape. The following day, Umvu Lana found a huge python, a Nalaru, in exactly the same trap that he had found the ape in the day before. Its long, powerful, brown and grey six-metre body rippled as it tried to free itself from the trap. Umvu saw the enormous creature writhing in the trap and turned to run back to the village to get help, when again he was stopped by a voice emanating from the snake. Come back, son of Adam. Umvu turned and in terror he beheld the black gaze of the python, its distinctive arrow-marked head pointing at him. Please, don't call the people from your village to come and kill me. I am Nioka. Snake, let me out of this trap 
that you have so skillfully made. Save me from the rain today, that I may be able to save you from the sun tomorrow, if you should ever be in need of help. And so, once again, the young boy let the snake go, trembling in fear as he untied the great folds of the snake's body from the trap's intricate lines. Half expecting the python to wrap him in coils and squeeze him to death, Umvu was gratified to find that the snake slithered off into the long grass towards the river, where such animals like to spend their time hunting. But before it left, it called out, I will return your kindness if I can, but do not trust any man. If you do a kindness, he will do you an injury in return at the first opportunity. And with this, the snake disappeared into the undergrowth. Umvu was understandably shaken, but also amazed. How had two completely different creatures spoken to him of the same things? Why had they warned him about men? And how could they say that he should never trust any man when he himself had proven to them that a man might be so helpful and kind as he in setting them free? After all, when he considered the amount of meat on a six-meter-long python, it made his already hungry tummy rumble to think of the meal that he had surrendered in kindness to Nioka, the strange, talking snake. And as the day before, Umvu went out and he searched all other traps that he had laid, and again, there was no food in any of them. He returned to his mother, Zuena, once again empty-handed, and they ate an evening meal of ugali, or posho, as it is known in other parts of Africa. Beaten corn flour, bland on its own, but filled with starch that gave the energy they needed to survive, even if it lacked the protein that a growing boy needed to build the muscle that he needed to succeed as a hunter. The next morning dawned bright and humid, and with a hint of the storms that had held off the previous day. Umvu was determined that today he would succeed in catching and killing meat, and that his run of bad luck in trapping would end. Once again, Umvu went out to inspect his traps. Making his way carefully and as silently as possible, Umvu made his way to the trap in which he had found the snake and the ape. A large, brownish mass lay tangled beneath the trees. It seemed still and unmoving. Umvu was excited. Surely today he would kill and bring home the meat that he had promised his mother. As he crept near, fire-hardened spear in hand, a head suddenly appeared over the bulky mass of the body. A head fringed in long, fluffy fur. A lion! Umvu froze in terror. The ape had been fear-inducing enough, and the snake a deadly creature in its own right, but he knew that he could never outrun or outmaneuver a lion. Umvu was at this moment ready to give up trapping and hunting altogether when, just as with the ape and the snake, the lion spoke in a deep, weary and old voice. Don't be afraid. Do not run away, spake the great beast. I am Simba Kongwei, and I am a very old lion. Please let me out of this trap, and I will not harm you. Save me from the rain today, so that I might save you from the sun, should you ever need my help. So, once again, Umvulana believed the talking animal which he had caught again in the same trap. He went close to the lion, smelling its strong musk, 
and as he touched it to untangle its hind legs, he could feel the huge muscles beneath the warm fur. While this lion did indeed appear to be old, it was still, nonetheless, powerfully built and easily capable of killing Umvu in a single swipe of its massive, beclawed paw. Mm, son of Adam, the lion purred as it was finally made free of the trap. You have been kind to me, and I will repay you with kindness if ever I can. But never do a kindness to a man, or he will pay you back with unkindness. The lion stretched its great muscles and let out a great roar as it called to its pride. It trotted off out onto the dusty plain beyond the trees and was gone. Mvu went home, completely unable to explain how and why the animals whom he had hoped to catch and eat had started to speak with him, and what they could possibly mean by warning him not to trust men. Again, again he went home to his mother, dejected and feeling that he had failed as a hunter and a son. The early successes that he had made in the opening of his career now a distant memory. The next day, Mvu, having no idea what else he could do to trap and hunt successfully, went back out to his traps to see what he had caught. And this time, he left the trap with the talking animals until last, lest an elephant or rhinoceros should be his next visitor. Finally, as the young man made his way with great trepidation toward the final trap to check, with nothing in hand as, once again, Nothing had been caught in his other traps, and this time Mvu was amazed to hear the voice of a man calling for help from between the two trees, and he hurried to the place. Sure enough, a man was trapped in Mvu's trap. He was tall and powerful, and looked as though he had been hunting game himself. He declared that his name was Ambukili, and that he would never forget what Mvu had done in saving him from the trap that he had so expertly placed between the trees towards the river. And so Umvu had to admit to himself, and so Umvu had to admit to himself that he had caught all the game that there was in his local area, and that sadly he and his mother were back to their original position, and Zuena must work every hour of the day simply to feed them both. So, in order to remedy this situation, Umvu declared that he would take out his father's old bow and arrows, and that he would shoot game with these, instead of relying upon the trap method that had worked so well in the past. Going to the river, Umvu took some large reed plants, and splitting and scraping these until only the outer fibres remained, he twisted these together to make a long and strong bowstring. Looping these at each end, and with the help of his mother to bend the bow back, he managed to put a string upon the bow. He then spoke again to his mother. Mother! Please make me seven cakes of meal and cook them until they are hard and good to carry, for I will take these with me to go hunting with my bow and arrows. Zuena duly complied with her son's request, and so he took his food, his bow and arrows, and went on a long journey into the forest. He walked and walked, as quietly as he could, and yet he could see no game. Eventually he began to fear that he had lost his way, and he had eaten all but one of his cakes. Continuing on, hesitantly, not knowing whether he was going away from his home or back toward it, he continued on, hesitatingly, not knowing whether he was going away from his home or back toward it, when he came to a group of trees the like of which he had never seen. 
Their trunks were bulbous and immense, while also tall and branchless for many, many meters, until right at the top, it appeared that short, stumpy branches grew out of the top and yet without a single leaf upon any. Umvu was stunned and, forgetting he was alone, said, Have those trees fallen over and their branches sunk into the ground while the roots stand out at the top? Much to his shock, Umvu heard a response. Son of Adam! Where are you going? You look amazed to be here. It was Niani the ape, whom Umvu had freed from his trap. He was looking down. His dark fur hid him among the branches of a nearby and more normal tree. His intelligent eyes looking deep into Umvu's. Umvu threw down his bow and arrows and squatted in the dust below the tree. I don't know, Niani. I am lost. The boy sounded so forlorn that the ape thought that he might soon cry. A very human reaction. Well, well, said the ape. Don't worry. Just sit down here and rest yourself until I come back, and I will repay with kindness the kindness you once showed me. The great ape dropped from his nest in the tree and swung off into the distance, the sound of shaking branches receding. Mvu leaned back against the tree and dozed in the humid autumn weather. Mvu was woken soon after, with the ape dropping a bunch of pawpaws and bananas at his feet. And he said, Here's plenty of food for you. Is there anything else you want? Would you like a drink? And before Mvu could even stir himself to awaken properly and answer, Niani was off again, returning very quickly with a calabash filled with water. And so Mvu ate heartily and gratefully, sinking down again and falling asleep. But not before he had thanked the ape, whose life he had spared and who had saved his own in feeding him. Goodbye, son of Adam, the ape responded. Until we meet again. Heavy rain clattered down overnight, and so Mvu was obliged to take shelter in the tree in which Niani had sheltered at the edge of the Baobab forest, until the sun arose and chased the rain clouds from the sky. The following day, now thoroughly without any sense of the way home, Mvu Lana walked on, hoping to find a place where men might help him to find his way. Before long, he had left the trees of all types behind as he made his way out onto the grassland of the savannah. The grass grew long and as far as the eye could see, as though it were an ocean of gold. In the distance, Mvu saw a hill whereupon he might look out and see a place where he might find help. He made his way through the swaying, susurrating sea of grass and up onto the flattened belly of the hill. Shading his eyes, he looked out in all directions, straining his eyes to see as far as he might. And finally, he sank down in despair as he realized that nowhere in sight was a place where he might get help. A shadow passed over the young boy, and he looked up to see the bulk of a fully grown male lion standing over him. He jumped back in alarm, yet a warm, fierce and friendly voice spoke to him. Mm, peace, son of Adam. It is I, Simba Kongwe. And why do you come here to this place? Where are you going? Heart thudding back to a somewhat more normal rate, Umvu responded, I don't know, oh great Simba, I'm lost. Mm, come, cheer up, said the very old lion, and rest yourself here a little. I want to repay with kindness today the kindness you showed me on a former day. So Umvu Lana sat down. Simba Kongwe went away, 
but soon returned with some game he had caught. And so Umvu made a small fire, he cooked the game and ate it. When he had finished, he felt a great deal better. I thank you, O Simba Kongwe, for your kindness towards me, for you have saved my life today. And so, as with the ape, the lion bade Mvu, Goodbye, son of Adam. Until we meet again. By the end of his meal, Mvu, looking out over the grassland, became convinced that he could see a small smudge on the horizon that might be the smoke of a village, or of something else that man may make. With no other direction in which he knew to travel, Umvu followed his intuition and jogged towards the place where men might be. Eventually, after some hours of travel, Umvu was rewarded with the sight that he had so longed to see, the buildings that only a human makes. He had arrived at a farm, the people of which grazed their cattle out upon the savannah by day and took them home to be safe in the evening. Umvu was met by a frail, wrinkled old woman whose hands were knotted from hard toil until it appeared that she had not fingers but the roots of a tree growing from her arms. She wore a dirty, faded smock, and it became apparent by the appearance of the buildings as he looked more closely at them that this farm had seen much better days. He asked her for directions back to his own village, yet she had never heard of it, and instead directed him to a road that would take him towards Dar es Salaam, the capital of Tanzania. For along this road it was doubtless that he would be able to find the help that he would need to get home again. The road was long. It was a light brown, hard-packed mud. But it was level, and it was clear of all obstacles, and obviously it was used daily by many people, though none were in sight at present. Umvu walked along this road for many hours, even sleeping by the side of the road, as he continued to make his way towards the great city. He passed a few traders going both ways, and he asked each of them for directions to his home, but none had heard of his village, and so were unable to help. Finally, in the distance, the smoke of many fires came into view. It was clear that he was nearing the place where the road would end. Noticing a well at the side of the road, Mvu said to himself, Ah, that's just what I want. A nice drink of well water would be good. Now, let's see if the water is high enough for the bucket to reach. As he peered over the edge of the well, what should Mvu see but a large snake with an arrow marking upon its head? Mvu jumped back in alarm, but out of the well echoed a voice. Hold, son of Adam, do you not recognize me? Mvu, taking a step back, replied, I certainly do not. The snake extended its head above the well, thus reducing the need for distracting echo effects. Well, well, replied the snake, apparently given to obvious puns. I could never forget you, for I am Nyoka, whom you rescued from the trap. If you recall, I said to you that if you saved me from the rain, I would save you from the sun. Now, you are a stranger to the town over the horizon there where you are going. So drop your arrows and give me your bag and I will place within it that which you will find useful when you get there. The bag was duly emptied and given over to the python, who it seems had discovered a cache of gold and silver chains and rings within the well and the bag was filled until it was heavy with the weight of the objects within. Nioka told Mvu to take the treasure and to use it as he would and again they parted ways 
with much gratitude from the young boy. Umvud travelled on towards the city. As he arrived at the gates, he realised that he had never seen nor even imagined such a place. Where he had been used to huts made from woods and grass from the neighbouring forests, he had seen two stone buildings in all of his life, these in the market where the local villagers brought goods to buy and sell, and yet this whole city was built from stone, most of it painted a bright white. Walking between these intimidating buildings with their small, high windows, Umvu was approached by a man whom he recognised as being Ambukili, the one whom he had freed from the trap, as he had done with the animals. Come to my house, my friend, the man said, ushering Umvu to a more humble part of the city. My wife will make you supper, and you can tell us what brings you to the great city. After all, I thought you were catching your dinner in the bush. Mvu was grateful to Ambakili and his wife Fatima for their generosity in welcoming him to their home and feeding him. Indeed, he had never tasted some of the food that he was offered, and there was a strength of flavour provided by spices Mvu had never before tasted, much more flavourful than the ugali his mother made him from ground cornmeal. These spices come from the islands off the coast, Ambakili explained when Mvu commented on the flavours. The islands are famous for the spices they provide, and men come from around the whole world just to buy these small bags of spice. In fact, they say that the money that the islands raise in farming pay for the sultan's palace, his fleet, and all of his wives. That night, Ambakili and Fatima insisted that Mvu stay with them until he had recovered from his travels, and then he could return home to his mother, who must now be worried that he might never return. Gratefully, he received their hospitality and spent the evening telling tales of his adventures, even going so far as to showing them the treasure which the snake had gifted him. Later, as the streets became quiet and dark under a clouded sky, Ambukili left his house like a shadow and made his way to the palace of the sultan. At the gate, he asked to speak to a powerful man who protects this city and was taken to a captain of the guard. There is a stranger come to my house with a bag full of chains of silver and gold, which he says he got from a snake that lives in a well, Ambakili confided to the captain. But although he pretends to be a man, I know that he is a snake who has power to look like a man. The captain, unsure what he should do about magicians who can change their form, called upon his commander, who brought the situation to the attention of the sultan himself. An old man with a white beard, who slept little in his later years, yet was much given to learning and reading. The sultan, having now heard from Ambakili directly, sent soldiers to the house of Ambakili and Fatima, where they awoke the sleeping Mvulana, took his arrow bag and dragged him before the sultan himself. Day was again dawning as the guards presented the boy before the sultan of Amman. The bag of gold and silver was opened and emptied before the sultan and his court. Do not touch that gold or that silver! shouted Ambakili. If you do, great harm will come to the children of the sultan and to the children of the vizier. The court became agitated and Mvu's hands were tied behind his back, even as he tried to explain that he had been given the precious metal in gratitude for saving the snake's life. It was at that moment that Neoka, the great six-metre-long python, slithered into the throne room of the palace. The guards and courtiers drew back, uncertain what magic or terrible omen this might be. The snake slid gracefully over the marble floor and laid itself at the feet of Ambakili, 
where it waited, apparently unwilling to attack or to be moved by any entreaty. Ambakili tried to back away from the great serpent, but it stayed with him until two guards held him in position and the snake sat with him as a pet or as a familiar. How is it that you claim this boy to be a magician? The old sultan commanded. When this great serpent sees you as its master, command the creature to leave. But Nioka would not stir, not for Ambakili, not for Mvu, not for the sultan or any of his men. It resolutely stayed with Ambakili as though guarding the faithless man. And so, unable to ascertain precisely what magic was being employed, but seeing the snake treating Ambakili as though he were its master, the guards apologised to Umvu and removed his chains. Returning his gold and silver, they tried to make amends for the obvious lies of the man whom Umvu had saved from the trap. Finally, the sultan asked, Why should this man invite you into his home and then speak ill of you? Umvu related all that had happened to him over the past few days. He explained how the ape, the snake and the lion had warned him about being kind toward men, how each had helped him in turn as he had tried to bring home food to feed his mother, and how he had followed the road here to Dar es Salaam, where he was betrayed by this man whom he had thought a friend and a benefactor. Having listened carefully to the words of the young man before him, the sultan stroked his white beard and thought for a long time, before finally replying, Although men are often ungrateful, it is not always so. Only the bad ones. It is to our shame that the animals whom you spoke with know only the deceit and treachery of men and not the goodness, kindness and grace that you yourself have shown throughout your adventures. As for this fellow, he said, indicating Ambikili, he deserves to be put into a sack and dropped into the bay on the next ship that leaves for Zanzibar. After all, he was treated kindly, and returned evil for good, even going so far as to plotting your downfall, as you sat in his home, and he promised you safety and kindness. And so, it was as the sultan commanded. Ambakili was tied up in a sack, and he was taken out into the bay, where he was dropped with rocks as weights to drag him down into the unforgiving ocean. Umvu took the money that the snake had given him in the form of jewellery and went back home to his mother, who was amazed and grateful at what he had discovered and what he had learned from the animals and from the sultan. They moved into a large town where they were able to spend the money which they had been given, and Umvu grew and became both wise and strong, where he was known for his goodness and his kindness towards all men, and towards all animals. more information and for suggestions of stories that you think that other people would like to hear, go to www.thehistoryofmagic.com.
tellingtalespodcast.com and may your own tales turn out well.